you know, in my, in my past 12 years working in mental health, I'd say that mild traumatic brain injuries are a major cause of mental illness and nobody knows about it. Yeah, well, you know, when you take histories and almost everybody's had one mm-hmm. and you see so much mental stuff, anxiety and depression, like yeah. 80% of your population, at least one form or another, That's you've right. got to think about it. Welcome to Hunt Harvest Health, the podcast with your host, Ryan Lampers, a.k.a. The Stealthy Hunter. Howdy. And myself, Dr. Hillary Lampers, where we share our love for ancestral living and the health topics of the modern age. You can follow us at HuntHarvestHealth.com, Instagram, and Facebook for more podcasts, recipes, and stories. All right, let's do this. Okay, he'll start this thing. Dun, 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 dun. Here I am, folks. Hunt Harvest Health Podcast. Host extraordinaire, Ryan, my sidekick. Would you like to chime in? Co-hosts don't start intros. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna tell me don't start I'm, talking I'm the back. <laughs> I was like, whoa, don't start what? <laughs> Don't start a bunch of trouble. It's our ongoing uh, debate about who's good yeah, at and starting let me tell intros. You, folks are tired of hearing about it. I've won. Tell you. So. Yeah, you win. You win all the time. Thank you. Yeah, everybody knows that. I'm just a... Uh, I'm the sidekick, actually. You're the celebrity. No. I'm the sidekick. The sidekick, no. we're kind of like Batman and Robin. Everybody loves Batman, but Batman can't do it without Robin. But does anybody ever really think about Robin or care about Robin? Not really. So in the Hunt Harvest Health <laughs> Stealthy Hunter world, you're Batman. Well, I'm if Robin. You're, if you're Robin, I keep it going. Everybody wants to hear I keep people's interest peaked. Especially when they're talking about health issues. Well, sure if it's a topic they want to hear about but i would bet that a lot of listeners out there want to hear more from you batman needs to share his bat secrets about you know i don't know hunting and scouting and Hmm. how you can spend so many days torturing yourself and being miserable Um, yeah at the same time what do you dream about what did you have a dream about last night and glassing up mule deer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great dream. Yeah. Yeah, I had three different bucks picked out on the mountain. And um, and there was a big old bowl in the bottom of that drainage I was glassing too. So I have no idea. It really didn't go much beyond that. It just kind of mm-hmm. stopped with glassing up mule deer. And they were impressive bucks too. So Seahawks, this is why he's so good at what he does because he literally eats, sleeps, and thinks about well, hunting I think all some of that has to do with its its uh, application season. So, kind of thinking about laying out this next year. We've been talking about plans, filling up dates, and getting the things on the calendar. Looking at go hunt stuff like that. Just I didn't out. get an application. You should apply with me first. <laughs> <laughs> I should get the wife okay application, and then we should go on. I don't know what you do all day. I go to work, so <laughs> you probably sit here all day drooling over mule deer applications. But yeah, well, I, it's stressful figuring out where you're going to go or what hunt you want to do or what area you want to look at this year if you can. Um, yeah, time is tight. 
in the fall season. So mm-hmm. there's only so much September, October, November. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. January, yeah. August. Yeah. December. Yeah. All right. Well, we have a new health podcast today. Sorry, folks. You're getting another health podcast because I'm the only one who does podcasts. So that's what you're going to get. But I think you're going to like this podcast today. Hopefully you do. There's a, I think it's applicable to pretty much everybody out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we talk about that, Ryan, would you like to share a little bit about the Western Hunting Summit 2020? Absolutely. Yeah. So we've been working on this year's summits a lot. Um, everybody's probably seen the launch that we had back in October. And, um, you know, that, that elk summit, uh, I was kind of curious, like, you know, this year we did a species specific bear, mule deer and elk. And then lo and behold, the elk summit sold out pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, I thought the mule deer summit would have sold out quicker, but it's almost sold out. Yeah, that's right. It's like it's only, only February, Ryan. Remember, it's only February. I know. There's only a couple spots for that. Um, Bear has a handful, and elk went quick. And then uh, we threw that wait list up on our website um, just to see, kind of gauge the interest on how many folks would um, like to see a summit if there was another date um, for elk. And we got a crud ton of people on there. So. Trying to figure out dates that would work because it's kind of tight there in June when we had the other summits, but we figured out a date and it looks like June 4th through the 7th, we are going to put on another elk summit. Um, just, just by getting hammered with questions, people are like, can you find a spot or, you know, is there any way you could slip me into that elk summit like to go? So we're just going to open it up again. Um, and I had a kind of a short list of other presenters that I've wanted to be a part of, have them be a part of this. Um, Joel Turner being one of them. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's an incredible dude. And he's, he's just a really good teacher, instructor, um, perfectionist. He's just, he's a great shooter, a uh, great elk caller. Um, he's got, he's got a good system that works. And so um, we couldn't quite mesh our dates last year. I really wanted Joel to be a part of it, but uh, this year, it looks like we've been able to figure out um, a date that works for him as well as all the other presenters, um, Livesey and Brian Barney and um, and uh, others. So we're we're looking at June 4th through it's the 7th. It's pretty much identical. It's pretty much identical, except we don't have Randy Newberg. Well, we have... Dan, but we have Joel Turner. We have Dan Picard coming Dan as well as a stud yeah. elk hunter. Um and uh so no it's going to be really good um and so that's that's kind of what we're working on right now we're launching that here quickly getting the um the passes available for people to yeah i mean by the time people hear this it'll be live yeah well the more people we can get on the mountain and educated um hopefully we can uh get people excited about this next year Mm -hmm. coming up so we've got now four summits happening this summer, which is going to be fun. It's going to be a busy, busy, busy summer. Yeah. But um, selfishly, I that gets me to have four different big mountain hikes. So that's a good thing. I get to be involved in all of those. The Bear Summit, in fact, that's a three-day, two-night 
traipsing through um, the wilderness looking for looking for bears and talking anything and everything bear hunting so that's going to be a fun one as well and that's that's may 28th through the 31st um but we yeah. did have our scholarship uh, end and we had mm-hmm. a, a lot of oh, people apply so there is one and one scholarship um available yeah i wish i had more to give out i know it's kind of like for, when you go to an orphanage and that. you see all the kids you want to adopt all the children but yeah. it's like you you can't i you can't take i all read of them. through all those essays and i was struggling trying to figure out like oh man there's so many people that i would just love to give it to um from you know young gals ladies just getting into it um military guys fathers that mm-hmm. you know have boys and or just you know parents with kids and adult onset folks mm-hmm. there's just a lot of people i'd love to love to help out and so i had to narrow it down i narrowed it down to four and right now i've narrowed it down to two um yeah difficult decision but and man I think these, it's, it's these pretty cool to see like the responses people can write yeah they're very good i mean very good. geez ryan and i are reading these things going oh my gosh we could put these in a book and like people be shedding tears here i mean it's like well people want really i mean all they, all they told me was there's there's a lot of people that are kind of thirsting for knowledge um yeah. they don't really know where to start and i think hands-on is always better in my opinion Mm -hmm. um you know we can talk about things and there's value in that even doing the presentations at the show uh or at the events there's value in that but some hands-on um actually sitting down with people doing the hikes camping um really picking apart terrain and you know spending time glassing with these people i think there's value in that so um you know a lot of people seem to want that and it's a great way to cut the learning curve because there is quite a learning curve. It can be pretty intimidating for people to take on a Western hunt. Mm-hmm. We, for folks that have done this their whole life, it's, it is what it is. We're, we're used to it and we, there's no, um, it's not scary anymore, but for folks that maybe live Midwest, East, um, or just folks that have never done it, adult onset people that, um, you know, taking a, solo trip or just any trip deep into the mountains is uh something that's pretty intimidating Mm -hmm. so yeah so yeah reading through those responses it's pretty clear that there's folks that are uh, thirsting for some education and a big experience like this is is pretty cool it'll be fun to fun to when i finally narrow it down to that one winner (laughs) give that out but and we are just about to launch last year's speech um, speakers. So we recorded the spe- speakers last year at the summit nineteen, and then we've made we're making up a package right now with PDFs, videos, all that, and we're going to be selling that on the Western Hunting Summit website as well. So if you wanted to get that package and see the talks that we had last year, your talk in particular, Ryan, is excellent. Uh, you do a pack dump on there. Uh, you talk about your food. You talk about your history, um, mentorship. Uh, Brian Barney's talk is amazing. Like just Mark Livesey's like, talk is good. Well, be Mark Livesey's is was the best uh, voted best talk. Him and Barney were the 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 best voted talk. I'm on there talking about you know what I talk about. Everybody was flying over their heads, but it was fun. Um, 
Randy Newberg's on there talking about his story. There's a lot of personal, uh, Randy gives a lot of personal nuggets about himself, which is, is great. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to put that out. So if people want to buy that, it's not going to be expensive. We're putting that package together right now, but watch for that on the Western hunting summit. We'll also post it on Instagram and on our social media when that comes out, but that's a way for you to get that knowledge, uh, that the speaker shared last year. Um, right through your computer or your phone. So watch for that. Um, anything else on that? No, I think that about covers it. Okay. You and I are getting ready to head down to the Western Hunt Expo. Yeah. We do this every year. It's the only show we go to. Yeah. Um, not really into a lot of shows, and they all kind of seem real similar. Um, but that one's fun. That's the funnest one. So mm-hmm. we make it a point to uh, find a sitter for the kiddos this weekend. And you and I are heading down. And we're actually going to do some work this time. We're going to podcast. <laughs> we say we are. <laughs> We've got a little booth space. So we're going to actually yeah. Uh, yeah, have time set aside to just podcast yeah. and talk to people that we think Friday are super will be interesting. Friday, we will be at the Vortex booth doing some podcasting. So yeah. if you come by and you see us, come say hi. If you yeah, don't they, know us, like They were kind we'll enough to say, yeah, we got a little spot here. Because um, we've never been good about like no. asking ahead of time to try to find like a no. place that we can if plug this equipment in. people know us, in. we are not like, um, we're kind of on the cuff kind of people. And that doesn't and it work hasn't, really well hasn't for worked us out in very the good no. As far as getting work, we usually are flying home. We're like, man, huh. We never really, we didn't get any work done at all. Well, sometimes we times it's fine. Like, it's fine not to work. I'm all about not working. But I think I told Ryan, we need at least one day where we get some podcasting and we do some work um, outside of mingling and meeting people. I mean, we're still working. You're still working. We're still meeting people, making relationships. I mean, I wouldn't call that work, but we're doing stuff. Sometimes it sucks yeah, too to fun. be like every single person you talk to be like, oh, you want to do a podcast? You know, it's, it's nice to just be friends and hang out and, you know, have meaningful time together. Um, yeah. And a lot of times you're like, dang, I wish we would have podcasted that conversation. That would have been well, awesome. In this time of year, you know, um, post hunting season there's there's some really good stories people have some really good they've had some really good experiences and we hope to get a few of those down so yeah instead of just talking about them at some booth somewhere actually record them and let other people hear them as well yeah and you know i'm always looking for the uh those stories of people of success and change and motivation and you know the one like we did with bear that one got a ton of feedback And so that's kind of my goal this year is to talk to more quote unquote regular people who have made big changes in their lives and in, in all aspects. So if you're one of those people and you're going to be at the hunt expo on Friday, (laughs) come to the vortex booth and meet me because who knows, maybe you'll be on a podcast. I mean, I, that's what I like to do. So, um, let's see. We have today's podcast. Oh yeah. One last thing. Let me make a few more announcements. Okay. We have new recipes on our website from Emily, from at Joe and Emily from Instagram. Please go check those out. Uh, She's always working hard to get us recipes. And we do lots of recipes, but I just don't put them on the website like I should. So we're working on that. Um, Ryan is going to work on his porcupine stew for me so we can get that on there because that was a big hit at Christmas. (laughs) Um, And we also have some new stories and blogs on there. So go check that out. 
Also, until I think the 13th or the 14th, if you want to get, and you haven't already, I know it's super short notice here, uh, Excalibur Dehydrators, they're having 30% off their nine tray dehydrator right now that we use. And I only say this because we get so much, so many questions about dehydrators and dehydration and all the stuff we like to do. And we usually have at least one or two of those running any given week in the house here. So you can go check that out on our website as well. If you go to shop Excalibur Dehydrators, you'll see them there. And um, you can help support our podcast by going through that link to buy it. And they have a 30% off right now. Um, okay, on today's podcast. Today's podcast is, I think, applicable to probably everybody out there. I'm guessing a large majority of men, for sure. Um, and it's about TBI and concussion. Uh, have you ever had a concussion? I was trying to think. Uh, I, I, it's probably I, why you're I, so probably, normal is you've never had a concussion. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think like in the podcast you talk about some people just don't Get their think of bell rung is yeah, not getting a their bell rung as a concussion or seeing stars. I mean, I've definitely seen stars and had my bell rung. Um, Weren't you a boxer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you definitely had your bell rung if you're yeah. a boxer. But as far as just like coming away from something, thinking I had a concussion or had, had a concussion, I don't know. Mm. Not sure. I probably have. I think most people probably have. Yeah, but I've had a number of them that I can remember and I share them in this podcast. I had a pretty good one, what, 15 years ago, mountain bike wreck that pretty much wrecked me for a long time. I still struggle with that accident, but... I watched that concussion mm-hmm. play out right in front of me. That was like a... That was like a jumping <laughs> scorpion head, like into the dirt, scrape well, most I, of your skin off I your face concussion. Yeah, I didn't really talk about the actual situation. I just talked about like that I had it, but I was we were mountain bike mountain biking on a single track, and I went over a Kelly hump, and there was like a ditch on the other side that I couldn't see. And my bike tire, you know, if anyone mountain bikes or does that, you know, the bike tire went straight down, stopped my bike. you you pretty much hit the bump and you didn't like suck into the bump at all. You hit the bump and then you just rolled right over it like you were just on a flat. And so your front tire goes right down underneath you and your back tire comes up and over and then you landed on your head. Yeah, it was bad. And then we we had to walk you out of there because you were pretty broken. Yeah. So, uh, that, you know, and I had a helmet on, thank gosh. I talk about that. It was pretty important. It ripped the whole left. There was like rocks, like shattered the upper left side. I landed on the upper left side of my head. Um, but anybody who has sustained any type of head trauma concussion, who's played sports, who's been in the military, uh, gosh, I don't know, cheerleaders, gymnasts, um, little kids learning to walk, slamming their head into tables, and all the things that people do with their heads throughout their life. This is a, a good podcast for you. He wrote a book called Concussion Rescue, and he works for the Amen Clinics uh, in Bellevue, Washington. I went to medical school with him. He's the first naturopathic doctor to work for the Amen Clinics, um, which is really exciting. He talks about what the Amen Clinics does and how they help brain trauma here. Uh, Dr. Amen was one of the first doctors to work with uh, retired NFL players and their brain trauma and helping them prevent dementias, Alzheimer's, possible CS, um, CTE, that kind of stuff. 
we do talk about CTE a little bit in here and what like the movie concussion with Will Smith, you know, that we watched, like how that gave you information about what CTE is, but there was really no like solution. There was really nothing they told us that you could do for it. You know, it's kind of like, oh, well, you're screwed. You know, this is what happens and this is the end of it. But Dr. Um, Chapik talks in here about what you could actually do and how you could help it and help prevent it. Um, there's a lot of little tidbits in here that we give on that. And if you want to get in touch with him, you can. He's on social media, Dr. Cabron with a K, Chapik. His book is actually on our Amazon page. So if you want to support our podcast, you can go to shop uh, on our website and then Amazon. His book is there. You can purchase it there. There's also an audio book. And I think they're doing a webinar, ser webinar series at amonclinics.com. He's a great guy, super nice, super smart, um, and he really wants to help people that have suffered with this, and he gives a lot of great treatments. So please go buy his book, support this, and uh, if you have questions, let me know um, or reach out to him. I think, did we get it all? Pretty sure. Okay, okay, enjoy. So today I am in Bellevue, Washington, um, one of our old stomping grounds here, uh, not far from Bastyr University, which is the naturopathic university that both uh, Dr. Cabron Chapik and I went to together. So Dr. Do you want me to call you? Can I just call you Cabron? Yeah, just call me Cabron. Okay, that's what I tell people. Just call me <laughs> Hillary. It almost still seems weird for people to call me doctor, you know, but um, I'm sitting in your office right now at the Amon Clinics in Bellevue, which is also really exciting. Uh, if you don't know who Dr. Amon is, he's for years pioneered the um, brain imaging, which is, you can explain it, but very mm -hmm. different than traditional brain imaging. Yeah. And uh, I followed his work many, many years ago uh, when I started working in head trauma and brain injury and that kind of stuff and what I do. And so you just came out with a book on mm -hmm. concussions and I've done some recent podcasts with just people that were on the podcast talking about their concussions Perfect. and I thought you sent me a thing and said my book's going to be done and I said ah oh, awesome perfect I'm going to be here working let's do a podcast so Dr. Cabron please introduce yourself and tell our listeners uh, who you are Hillary thanks so much for having me on your show I'm excited that you're here yeah um and, you know, we were in school together, mm -hmm. naturopathic medical school. And I'm going to tell a little story about that later. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so I graduated in, in 2006. The same day my son was born, I got my board results. Wow. It was a wonderful, exciting day, but also all this pressure of the dad. I got to earn money right. for my son. And um, I got a job down in Tacoma. It's too far, and so I found a job closer to home, um, which was in Edmonds, just north of Seattle, and it was at a treatment center. It was an eating disorder, depression, anxiety, substance abuse treatment center, and I learned a ton there. I loved it, uh, helping patients with severe depression, anxiety, and substance abuse, and um, became the medical director there, uh, but eventually 
kind of burned out and looking for something else. And then Amen Clinic's opportunity came and I've been here for seven years. And uh, as you mentioned, Amen Clinic's, we do something a little different. Mm-hmm. We look at the brain. So Dr. Amen, 30 years ago, he's a psychiatrist. Instead of just talking to people, he, he said, we need to look at their brains. Every other specialty looks, right? Mm-hmm. Like cardiologist, if you have heart pain, chest pain, they're going to do an EKG, maybe an echo, look at your heart. So doesn't it make sense to look at the brain? So um, there's the MRI, as you mentioned, which looks at the pieces, the structure. And then there's the, another type of scan. We do it called SPECT, S-P-E-C-T, Single Photon Emission Computed Tomography. It's a mouthful. But essentially what it is is looking at blood flow, what's overactive, what's underactive, um, if there's any injury. And by telling that, we can understand how to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, so we integrate that imaging into comprehensive approach we do i love doing labs um yeah taking a thorough history yeah and uh, as naturopathic doctors it it just makes so much sense actually um i'm the first naturopathic doctor to work at amen clinics i know congratulations i'm like how did how did i not get in line for the interview (laughs) for this job i didn't even know it was up like this is my thing i love this stuff and the brain that's so cool and you were the first one to, to realize the significance of that and mm-hmm. you came and you're like, oh, let's, you know, collaborate. And yeah. we've been collaborating it ever since. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that felt so good to have that connection. Well, I'm just really excited that they saw the value in having a naturopathic doctor. Like mm-hmm. that, um, and we're gonna, you're going to talk about that. And you're going to talk about all the strategies and things that should be done for TBI and concussion. But in the past, we're, we're not being done. And that's because a lot of classically trained conventional medical doctors, are they're just mm-hmm. not trained right. in what we know. And now we know that what we know <laughs> is so vital for yeah. healing this stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it really is the only thing that does heal. Yep. You know, surgery, surgery uh, neurosurgeons and their teams have reduced the death rate from TBIs, like severe TBIs, uh, from 40 to 50% down to 20 to 30%, which is nothing short of a miracle, but right. that's about it. You know, there's not a lot else that's done, especially for mild, so con- concussion is a form of mild traumatic brain injury or TBI, whereas there's the moderate and severe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're right. As many may or may not know, because I don't talk about it much on this podcast, you know, I worked as a massage therapist pretty young, 19. I moved to Seattle. That's why I moved to Seattle, Mm. really to get out of the small town of Bozeman that I now moved back to. That's what happens, right? (laughs) You leave home and then you go back. But uh, back then I was like, okay, I got to go to the city. I came to Seattle. I went to massage school. But I was a chronic headache sufferer and I suffered Mm. for most of my life with chronic headaches that that people couldn't really tell me why. And when I was in my early 20s, my hairdresser of all people told me about this treatment where I should go see this crazy doctor in Everett, Washington, but she heard that it helps a lot with headache. Hmm. And I went and saw him and I had this treatment done with him, the NCR treatment, and it just radically changed my life. Like I... I had probably, I couldn't remember the last time I didn't have a headache. And so he did this treatment and I had tried everything at that point. I was, I started very young with health hmm. um, care because I was sick in high school and stuff. And then I saw a naturopath and she really helped me change my diet and my gut and mm. all that. But I continued to have these headaches. And so that's so, why you got interested in natural medicine. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And 
I think too, genetically, I just had it because my great grandfather was a chiropractor. Um, I kind of grew up in that environment. It was in your blood. It was in my blood for sure. Um, but I had those treatments and then it really changed my life. And that, that set me on a trajectory for what I wanted to work with because mm. to that point, you know, doing massage and stuff, you work a, with a lot of people in pain, a mm-hmm. lot of people in chronic pain, a lot of car accidents, you know, whiplash, all this stuff, injury treatment. And after I had that treatment, I was like, wow, all my people, all the people that I see, they, they need this treatment. And it was very hard to convince people to do it. To go get it. Yeah. Because they were working with conventional chiropractors or whatever. And the chiropractors either didn't know about it or they thought it was scary or weird. And at that point I said, wow, I just really want to, I want to learn more about this. So I got a job. I basically begged him for a job and he gave me a job. Um, and I started working for him and I was his first assistant. And I did that for eight to 10 years. I worked in the business somehow. And in that time is when I decided I want to be a doctor to do this, but Mm -hmm. I had to have a medical license. So that's when I went back to school at 27. I was a late bloomer. I I went back to school, finished my bachelor's, and then I started Bastier uh, to get my medical degree. He was a naturopath as well. So Mm -hmm. I figured, you know, I could be a naturopath. And I did that for four years. Um, and that's where I met you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I got out of medical school, I went straight into practice because I was one of only like three people in the whole state who knew how to do this treatment because right. I had worked for him for so many years. So I went straight, you know, for, oh gosh, when did we graduate? 2007. Mm-hmm. So 13 years ago, I went like straight mm-hmm. into medical practice and I had a practice in Washington, a practice in Montana. I traveled back and forth and I, I worked with mainly headache and breathing mm-hmm. disorder and a ton of head trauma. When I ask a patient, like, have you ever had a concussion? It's, it's, it's usually yes. Yes. Almost uh, everybody. You're right about asking questions too. And when I started working here at Amen Clinics, they suggest or they, they have us ask patients like 10 times because you forget. Yeah. If you, and, and folks think if you haven't lost consciousness, it's, it couldn't count. But it does mm-hmm. count if you've seen stars, if you've been dazed. So a concussion is like... If you hit your head hard enough to see stars or have any symptoms right after, it's a concussion. Um, getting your bell rung, it's a concussion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard, you're hitting your head hard enough to have symptoms. Um, sometimes symptom, symptoms are delayed. So there's a pastor who I saw, and uh, he was in a car accident, and it was more of a whiplash injury. So he didn't hit it, the windshield or anything, but the force of the stop jostled his brain that hard against the inside of his skull to damage his brain. However, he didn't have symptoms immediately. They were delayed by two weeks. So he went to the ER, got checked out, negative CT scan, negative MRI, no bleed. So they said, you're fine, go home. Two weeks later, he couldn't write a sermon. Mm. Couldn't think clearly. Mm-hmm. Memory was, was poor and attention was poor. So I think what happens often is there's swelling that gradually progresses until the point that it's, you know, your brain is so soft. It's like butter, right? as soft as butter. The, it's housed in a really hard skull with many sharp bony ridges and it, it slammed against the inside of the skull and can bruise. In fact, if you take a fresh brain out and put it on the table, it's going to be goo in a few hours. Oh, crazy. Yeah, yeah. So it's very soft. And so we're just not designed to hit our heads. Yeah, and, and we oh don't gosh. have, you know, if you know any anatomy at all, 
I mean, the amount of space you have, like, in the dural area and mm -hmm. where your CSF fluid is, I mean, it is, like, it's, like, what, maybe half a centimeter mm -hmm. or something? Hardly or a millimeter, couple yeah. millimeters, That's maybe? That's it. That's all the cushion we have. Yeah, and, and you think about it just doesn't take much of anything to rattle your brain, much less mm -hmm. slamming your head into something mm -hmm. or getting hit by something. I, I worked at a treatment, as I mentioned, the treatment center, and uh, sometimes people were there uh, for alcohol use, and they were still in denial. They're in treatment for alcohol addiction, but they're like, it's not that bad, you know? Right. And so sometimes half a treatment of four, four weeks of treatment, two weeks in, they're still we're tr trying to break through denial. But imaging like this, showing someone their brain in seconds breaks through that denial. Like yep. there's this boom, tears calm down for many people. They realize, okay, that, that you can't, you can't argue with that. Yeah. No, you can't. It's kind of like labs too. People, mm -hmm. will, okay, when you can see that you have all these things off, yeah. people go, oh, okay, great. And I think it's also, com it, it confirms, mm -hmm. for me, it's always like, especially with brain health, you know, what's the chicken and what's the mm -hmm. egg? Mm -hmm. Because yeah. you, you've, you've done all these things you're to get better, to play football, to be a good athlete, to, to whatever. And now you see this picture of your brain and you can see like, wow, I, I really see why, or I'm an addict, mm -hmm. why I am doing this. Part of it is your impulse control. It's just not the same. Mm -hmm. like Absolutely. Can't... Well said. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd say simply that we use imaging for two reasons. One, diagnostically. It help, mm -hmm. helps us understand what's going on for someone. Second is therapeutically for themselves and their families because you can't see the brain. That's part of the difficult thing with brain injury is that someone's walking around. They've completely changed who they are. You think about these football players, but even they're in the media, but there's people who have car accidents and are changed or they fall, kids and adults. And they think, what are parents to think? Should I pressure my kid more or maybe they're just not trying hard enough or do I need to back off? They're not sure what to do, but if we image their brain and understand that, okay, there's an injury, there's a physical injury, like they've broken their leg, um, they can empathize and support in a better way. And the, and the kid can also um, take some slack off themselves because oftentimes the person who's had the injury thinks, okay, maybe there is something wrong with me because they can't see the injury either. So Right. And then really you're helps. a parent and you're like, get back out on the field. You know, yeah. would you make your kid with a broken leg, like go back out on the field? Excellent point. And because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. So 85% of our listeners here on this podcast are men. Hmm. Maybe there's more women now. We're working on that. <laughs> um, but definitely these health podcasts, we get a good range of men mm -hmm. and women. But Great. we have more men. Awesome. And men, as we both know, mm -hmm. are the highest... They, Per, they are the ones that get more brain dramas and they head do. injuries than women. Women, it's more severe, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Because their skulls are thinner. Maybe exactly. you can talk about this, but yeah. um, men do a lot of stuff that's dangerous for their brains. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's true. Um, so men get more brain injuries, but women are more susceptible to the effects of brain injury. And mm. It's interesting. So Dr. Amen did a study. Uh, we have this huge database of scans. So it's kind of fun to do research. So 150,000 scans now each year it goes up. Um, and he looked at the difference between the male brain and the female brain. What's the difference? He was so curious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, that's scary. <laughs> <laughs> and 
what he found was the female brain is more active than the male brain, mm. which may not surprise everybody. Nobody's surprised <laughs> right now. All the men are out there like, uh-huh, <laughs> totally. Multi We've talked about that on this podcast several times, <laughs> women multitasking versus men multitasking. Mm. And I try to explain it in physiological terms, but people just look at me and they're like, yeah, well, women just do try to do too much. <laughs> men men mm. know, you know, men don't know how to do enough. Yeah. But I think it's just... Men are better at doing one thing. Mm -hmm. Women have this big corpus callosum, right? So right. we are constantly talking to both sides of our brain, mm -hmm. which I think wears women out. Yeah. But it's part of our physiology. Especially if you can't turn it off and get, get totally. to sleep or, or worrying. And, yeah. and that, that's certainly true. And uh, the, the axon and the nerve and the, the surrounding structure of the uh, nerve cell is different in women than men. Hmm. So they are more vulnerable to the effects of brain injury. Um, so we think about our, you know, soccer playing girls doing headers and um, our young athletes and just our young women, they are more vulnerable to the effects of concussion and brain injury. And they don't always speak up about it. They're trying to fit in. They're trying to keep going, please their coach or their parents and then they get concussed again second impact syndrome it's very dangerous so yeah explain that a little bit so um let's talk about athletes here because we yeah. have a lot of kids who listen we know that from their parents and we have a lot of parents that are listening mm -hmm. and i'm sure we have a lot of parents right now that have kids in high school and college playing sports boys and girls mm -hmm. you know or gymnasts yeah. or cheerleaders or whatever yeah. you know let's just talk about let's that talk about a little bit so I want to tell a little story about Zachary Lysted. So he's the um, the reason we have the Zachary Lysted law, or some version of it, is such that uh, it's the thing about if an athlete, high school athlete, is suspected of having a concussion, they have to be taken out of the field of play and assessed by a medical professional before they can be put back in. Mm. Before that, you could just send them back in and they say, "You're fine. See how many fingers am I holding up." You're good. Get back in there <laughs> and play again. Yeah. The second impact syndrome is after a first concussion, the brain is extremely vulnerable. And if it gets hit again, it could be catastrophic. So what happened to Zachary Lysted is he was about somewhere between 12 and 14 years old. I think he was about 14. He was playing football. And he this happened to him. So he, he, he got hit near the end zone, pulled out for 15 minutes. And then he said he was fine, went back in and got hit again hard on the goal line. And after the game, they were walking back to their car and he just collapsed. Massive brain bleed, subdural hematoma, uh, in a coma for several months. Had to relearn to walk, talk, eat. After a year, he could walk with help and a cane and often... So his life will never be the same. He'll no. never be the same person. Uh, and so his parents were huge, strong advocates. His mother's name was Mercedes. And um, so they're the reason we have the Zachary Lysted law or some version of it in every single state, all 50 states, when we still don't have the seatbelt law in all 50 states. There's not a seatbelt law in all 50 states? No. I guess not. It's probably like Idaho and Montana, <laughs> yeah. probably where I live, <laughs> like cowboy culture. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's still states like people don't mm. wear helmets when they ride motorcycles. Right. That's Montana. You don't. Yeah. There's guys, you know, driving Kansas. too. They they don't they don't wear helmets. Yeah, yeah, I'm from Kansas, and whenever I go back, it's like my, the, my kids are shocked. Like, why? Well, hey, where's the? Oh. So, Zach, so Zachary Lysted, they popularized that, and 
that's second impact syndrome, but still the current approach to concussion is just simply not enough. Mm-hmm, I agree. Brain injury. So concussions are mild traumatic brain injury. And just because they're called mild doesn't mean they don't cause significant damage to people's lives. Um, now, when you get a concussion, the current model is, and each school has their own program for concussion protocol. You know, um, go to the emergency room if it's serious, rule out a brain bleed, um, get a CT scan, um, symptoms of nausea, watch about dizziness, headaches, fatigue, irritability. That's all good. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's we got to keep that. Refer for physical therapy, occupational therapy, and then graduated return to play. So start exercising again. Eventually, you can do full contact. Um, start doing school again. That's really good. And you do want to exercise as soon as possible after injury, as long as you're not uh, having a recurrence of symptoms. That's kind of the rule of thumb or the pearl is that we want to exercise because that increases blood flow, increases something called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. Yes. This is miracle growth for the neurons. We need that to heal. Yeah. And Which is why when you exercise, period, uh, you feel better, right? Yes. You, your mind feels clear, oh, yeah. right? It's yeah. perfect. Perfect thing yeah. for, for learning and, and school. So yeah. athletes do need to exercise to do well in school. But um, that's kind of it. That's kind of it. And um, it's kind of like, you know, if we think about other injuries like our a twisted ankle, everyone knows about rice, rest, ice, compression, elevation. Right. Um, and my, my son plays basketball and recently they were at a game and one of his teammates twisted his ankle and all the parents are reaching for ice even before they've examined him. They're like ready to help him heal. Yet another game that he played, one of his teammates fell and hit his head hard, like a resounding thud heard around the the whole basketball court. Um, Everyone's just kind of standing around, hoping that he will heal, watching, um, because we can't see the swelling inside his brain that could be happening and could not be happening. My point with this book is that let's not take the risk that his brain may be okay or not okay when there's hundreds of studies pointing to what to do immediately after a brain injury. Like how do, how do we, you know, what do you do right after? I'm glad yes. you asked. Tell me, <laughs> tell us, we want to know. <laughs> well, I got to tell you a little bit of science. I know you love science. I like science. Um, so there was an undergraduate researcher at Stanford, Theodore Roth, super smart guy. Um, he did this experiment where he implanted an intracranial microscope into the mouse skull. And then he gave these poor little mice a concussion. Boom. It's horrible. And, um, but it was fascinating too, because it was never before seen footage in real time. This was in the journal Nature 2013. And you could see the damage happen. Like, and they calculate it. You can watch videos online. It's like seconds. And you'd see, they're, they're called the microglia, which yeah. are the resident um, immune cells in the brain, like macrophages. And they would eat up the damaged tissue. You so could, that's like the immune system in the head, in the, in the skull, in the brain. Thank right. you. Okay. And there was oxidative damage that could be seen, which is kind of like rusting from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And this chronic inflammation, so that we know that there's, 
inflammation that happens after a concussion, like a fire that hasn't been put out and continues to smolder for months and sometimes years. Mm-hmm. And he didn't stop there, though. Then he applied glutathione to the mouse skull. And glutathione is an antioxidant, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it quenched that inflammation, if applied immediately, uh, decreased cell death by 67%. Mm. If applied within three hours, it decreased cell death by 50%. So there's this window of time in which to act. Now, the human skull is much thicker than the mouse skull. So topical glutathione may or may not work well. Another study they did um, with active military, these um, guys and girls in Iraq, it was. Yes, double-blind placebo-controlled trial, the journal PLUS One 2013. And what they did is if they were, if they had an IED blast or hit their head on the tank, I don't know. I'm just imagining there's all sorts of ways yeah. you can get your head knocked yeah. in. Hold on, I'm going to move this because it's rubbing. Well, thank you. No, that's okay. In uh, the field of war. And they went straight to the medic or were carried to the medic and given NAC, which stands for... N-acetylcysteine. Thank you. Okay. And that is a precursor to glutathione. Right. The body makes glutathione out of this and tremendous antioxidant, anti-inflammatory. They were given a bunch, four grams immediately. And then I'll tell you the protocol after, but they gave the NAC for a, a week at a time. And if given, so there's a double blind trial. So the group that didn't get uh, the NAC, they recovered at a rate of 42%, which is pretty good. Uh, but those that were given NAC recovered at a rate of 86%. Oh, double. 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 Yeah. So they gave them four grams immediately, then two grams twice daily for days one through four, and then 1.5 grams twice daily days five through seven. Well, the great thing about like NAC is like there's no toxic, it's not toxic. So it's a precursor to glutathione. It's basically a liver. It's great for the liver. Glutathione is really hard to to mm-hmm. absorb from a supplement. Yeah. You got to take it liposomal or something. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it doesn't absorb as well. So you yeah. just take the NAC mm-hmm. and you can take those large doses because yeah. it doesn't have any no toxic risk. effect yeah. on the body. No risk. Which is great because some yeah. things, you know, you start mm-hmm. high dosing. Well, how about medications for one? You know, pain medication mm-hmm. and all these medications they're giving Heart people. Heart on the liver. Heart on the Pilenol. liver. Yeah. Addictive. Mm. Right? It's, yeah. Yeah. So. 100% agree. Yeah. Not good. Wow. So in the book, there's a whole first aid kit for your brain. And it lists out several supplements to have on hand. My idea is that, like you said, Hillary, it's it could happen anytime, anywhere. Yeah. And you should always be ready because there's this window of time in which to really decrease damage. Uh, so have it in your pack when you're out hunting, you know, because... You'd have to help me understand. I've never been hunting. <laughs> well, I would love to go hunting. I think it's so cool, but um, I don't exactly know. Well, I mean, if you're like. going to have, I, it can happen anywhere. I mean, you could fall. These guys are climbing mountains oh, and stuff. Totally. I mean, you could have falls. You could, I mean, I don't know. It seems mm-hmm. like a million things. Yeah. To me, it would seem like natural to have it in the first aid kit. Mm-hmm. 
if there's any chance of having a head trauma. In your car driving back, you could yeah. have a car accident, you know. Yep. Oh, for sure. I mean, mm -hmm. how many car accidents are there a day where people are have a brain mm -hmm. trauma? Yeah. Yeah. Even just a whiplash. Yeah. So even if your symptoms are not severe, why take the chance? This is your brain. You know, yeah. this is who you are. Yeah. And if you can protect that and improve that, um, my God, that's just... Uh, so valuable. So, but it's never too late. So even if it, if you don't catch it right away, um, even weeks and months and years later, we did this study with football players. Mm. So imagine this retired NFL, their brains look horrible. I know it's sad. <laughs> it is sad It is because these, these heroes, uh, these giants have, you know, um, depression, uh, Dave Pear, uh, has been outspoken about his time in the NFL, wishes he didn't play even. It's amazing. Um, but he got dementia at age 50. Mm. And so anger problems, depression, um, memory, severe memory problems. Yeah. I mean, that's... Wasn't it like, <laughs> I think it, I think the statistic way back when, when I first heard about this is like, if you played professional football, these guys had like a... 19 times higher chance yeah. of having early mm -hmm. onset Alzheimer's or You're dementia. Right. Good memory. It's, yeah. it's ginormous. Mm -hmm. it's a, and, and we glorify this in our culture. Now it's the Super Bowl this weekend, mm -hmm. right? We talked about that and I said, wow, what a better time to have a head, <laughs> a head trauma podcast. Kind of see it differently thinking yeah. about the, the brains inside and, those helmets. And I heard on the radio this morning that the Super Bowls, the Super Bowls are like the largest watched events Is in the world right? of any it. TV shows. And so there's multiple millions of people watching mm -hmm. the f f watching the Super Bowl at least. Mm -hmm. So it's big money. Yeah. Um, the NFL, as we know, with had traumas, they've been through the onslaught of mm. what they've had to do to pacify the fact that basically these guys that are under their under their watch have been brain damaged. Yes. I remember years ago when Purdue did a study, and this was in Sports Illustrated, mm. right? Purdue did a high study on high school football players who were front yeah. linemen, and they found that these kids were showing cognitive decline yeah. on testing in high school mm -hmm. and none of them had ever been diagnosed with a concussion. Yes, playing football damages the brain, just subconcussive hits. Yes, and so you don't yeah, have you to it. actually have a diagnosed concussion by mm -hmm. your doc or the the, the team doc. Mm -hmm. You are getting if you're if you're on the line and and these were the guys that with CTE and mm -hmm. a lot of the first guys that were coming out with these problems, these these were all big linemen. These were guys yeah. that hit hard mm -hmm. and they did it every single play. Um, and and what I think when I see a football game is like, yeah, it's entertaining and and it's it's you know watching these guys, they're amazing. I mean, they are gladiators. Mm -hmm. What they can yeah. do with their body and how big they are and the muscles and like the fact that. I just always think like, one, how do they feel the next day? It must be horrible, yeah. uh, you know, and they need that money because mm -hmm. in 10 years, they're going to need a lot of medical care yeah. and they're going to have a lot of pain and they're going to have chronic pain. You mm -hmm. don't have a perfect, like all these guys we see now that are older that are commentators and they do this, like they have to still make incomes and mm -hmm. they still have to make money. I guarantee a lot of those guys, you know, we even know uh, now that, a lot of those guys did have CTE when they mm -hmm. were on the TV and commentators. There's just nothing you talked about. Right. And they would just get through what they needed to get to. And their family members said, 
they were a wreck Yeah, when they weren't having to perform and, you know, focus on you know, that. Yeah. And, and the movie Concussion, I don't know if you saw that with Will. F- oh, yeah. Will Smith. Smith. Um, it, uh, Will Ferrell. Did yeah, you I was going to say Will Ferrell. We've been watching a lot <laughs> Sorry, of Sorry. Uh, we don't Ferrell. mean to make it um, <laughs> like no, Will Smith. <laughs> Thank you. Um, They're both comics though, right? I mean, yeah. he used to be. Will Smith used to be a comic. That's true. But um, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> um, concussion really popularized this. And so we all understood the problem. But the movie gave no solutions. Exactly. It was you like, know? here you go. You have brain damage. Yeah. yeah good luck. Wow, that's depressing. It's depressing. Where that's do you go? People don't talk about it as much because they don't, they think that it's so the head in the sand. It's like, you know, the athletes are like, oh, no, I'm getting it too. What am I going to do? You know, if they know there's answers and things you can do. So we've actually worked with a lot of these retired athletes at Amen Clinics uh, where we did a study with 30 retired NFL players. Which I'd love if you could post this for people because it's the oh, yeah. picture's it's, worth a thousand oh, words. Oh my gosh. Um, and this guy, before and after treatment. So we have several patients uh, in this study where basically what we did, so 20, you know, 15 to 20 years after they're done playing, um, you'd think it's kind of too late for them, but it's not too late. And so we put them on a program, supplements nutrition, exercise, weight loss if they needed to lose weight, treating hyper, uh, treating sleep apnea if they had mm-hmm. sleep apnea, and hyperbaric oxygen for some of them, which we can talk about what that is. Yeah. And after six months of treatment, you know, we measured them scans and cognitive testing, and there showed improvements in memory, processing speed, focus, and attention. And their scans were significantly better, and they felt better. And so it's not too late. And these are supplements that you can get over the counter, antioxidants like vitamin C, NAC, mm-hmm. vitamin D is key, um, ginkgo biloba for blood flow. Mm-hmm. I really think it's important to look at multiple mechanisms when we're doing supplements for brain injury. Uh, phosphatidylserine, it's a mouthful, but it's helpful for cell membranes, mm-hmm. helpful for memory. Um, acetyl L-carnitine for brain energy and fish oil, high, high quality fish oil. Quality is really important with fish oil. It is, yeah. Um, and a high dose. We try and get at least three grams of EPA, DHA, um, and then a high quality multiple vitamin. And just flooding the brain with nutrients is really key. Oh. But there's other important pieces to healing the brain. And it's really just not one thing that helps to heal because Mm -hmm. we're complicated. You know, there's been over 35 large scale trials to find the one thing that heals the brain from brain injury. And they've all pretty much failed. Mm. And it's kind of like Alzheimer's treatments. Exactly. Nothing. Nothing works. Because it's not just one thing. Exactly. It's not just plaques or whatever. Totally. And that's why naturopathic medicine and, and holistic medicine really is where we need to look. Yeah. We need to go back to the drawing board. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, 
have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. And so that's what I did with this book, Concussion Rescue. I went back to the drawing board, look, the things that I learned from Amen Clinics and Dr. Amen, um, the things that I learned from Bastier Naturopathic Medical School, and put them together. Things I learned from Hillary, Dr. Hillary Lampers, and put them together. Oh dear. The, the, the structural piece, and <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to read this. This you're actually in the book, Dr. Wow, Lampers. Wow, I didn't know yeah. that till I got here tonight. <laughs> I feel really humbled. Yeah, of course, because um, the uh, structural piece is really key. Going back to that. Yeah. Um, because if 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 the structural alignment is off in the bones. Uh, of the neck or the face. You can tell me more about this. I always mm-hmm. have struggle describing what neurocranial restructuring is. Um, but you think about chiropractic work and you think about the spinal cord going up through the spine into the brain to connect to the brain it has to go through the frame and magnum. It's this hole in the bottom of the skull. And the vertebrae can be, do you say vertebrae or vertebra? Tomato, tomato. Yeah, vertebrae is what I say. Vertebrae. Thank you. And uh, if the vertebrae are impinged or move and uh, move out of place, they can push onto that cerebral spinal fluid and block the flow. Yeah. So Dr. Scott Rosa and uh, Atlas, uh, upper cervical chiropractors, Atlas orthogonal chiropractors are called different things, but they basically. Uh, very specifically adjust the first and second cervical vertebrae so they are uh, not impinging on cerebral spinal fluid flow. Yeah, we actually have a podcast just recently I did. So I have a chiropractor in Bozeman that I hmm. found that I love to go to. And he's an upper upper cervical, a super gentle, like my kids will see him. And yeah. he's really helped me, and um, hmm. so we did a podcast on that. So oh, awesome. Go reference that, yeah. Perfect. He talks about it. Perfect. So that's, I mean, that, I refer to that all the time because there's no supplement that will correct that. Right. No. <laughs> yeah. No. And, yeah, the structural piece, that's where I started, you know, when mm-hmm. I got into the field, quote unquote, I was seeing uh, patients were coming in, this doctor that I worked for, and the treatment that I had done, the neural cranial restructuring. Which you should describe what it is I for should. people. I know. I, it's funny because <laughs> I've what, we've had over 100 episodes on our podcast now, mm-hmm. and I very rarely, I've, I probably haven't even mentioned it. And, and I think part of that is because uh, when we first started the podcast, it just seemed like a little too weird. <laughs> Ryan mm-hmm. especially was like, I don't know. It's a little weird for people. But I spent the last 20, I mean, I met Dr. Howe when I was 24. I'm 47 almost. So the last 23 years of my life, I really dedicated to wow. that skill. Hmm. And um, the last 13 years that I had in private practice here in Washington, I mean, that's all I did. And so I worked with doctors like you and I, I, re- I had a lot of referrals to me and mm-hmm. when I worked for Dr. Hal as well. And we, we saw very difficult cases. That, that's what we saw because mm-hmm. the treatment was seemed so out there mm-hmm. is that we were kind of the last 
resort. And what it is, is all it is, is we do a cranial manipulation where we actually adjust a bone in your head called the sphenoid bone. It's a lot like cranial sacral, but cranial sacral is much more gentle and it's external. Um, but we're affecting meningeal tension, connective tissue tension in the head, hmm. in the body, spinal column, throughout the connective tissue of the body wow. by adjusting that one bone. Wow. And that bone kind of dictates cerebral spinal fluid flow. It, it dictates facial symmetry. It dictates the upper nasal breathing area so we can help improve nasal breathing without surgery, right? Right. And which That's... breathing, as you talked about earlier with sleep apnea and stuff, mm -hmm. is... You know, when I have a patient and I assess them for sleep apnea, I always try to get them to do NCR first because mm, if you if tip. you go have to go get a CPAP and your structure's still off or whatever, you're not going to get the most benefit out of it. And I have had patients who don't need to get the CPAP because they just wow. needed to have that upper airway opened up. And you know the whole glymphatic system. The right. glymphatic system is the lymphatic system in the brain. And they just discovered this recently. Yeah. Like we hadn't been Incredible. out of school very long. Mm -hmm. But I remember 20 years ago working for Dr. Hal and people would come in and they would be talking about how they had the treatment. They felt clear in their mind. They felt hmm. like they could think better. They felt less depressed. Their anxiety was down. We didn't talk to them. We didn't give them NAC. We didn't mm -hmm. give them glutathione. We just did the structural treatment on them, changed the pumping action. And the one thing we noticed is that what normally happens with patients, they get really tired and they want to sleep because hmm. a lot of people in chronic pain and or that have chronic breathing disorder and or have chronic anxiety, they don't sleep well. So their brain never gets cleared out of hmm. toxins. Ah, oh, that makes so much sense. Right? So people Brilliant. that are sleep deprived, not only do they have so many other side effects from sleep deprivation, their lymphatic system in their brain can't clear the toxins mm -hmm. out of their brain. Mm. So they feel worse. Wow. You know, they feel even more crazy. I remember when we first met, um, you showed me the pictures. You had a brochure on your website of before and after. Yeah. And it's amazing. Like someone's eye, left and right eye, there was they were off by like, look like inches almost. Yeah. And then afterwards, there's they're symmetry. So it was wow. just, it's like, it was a miraculous, you know, when I was young, I was just so like intrigued by how this was even possible and that more doctors weren't doing it. Mm -hmm. I was like, why, why is this weird? This makes so much sense. <laughs> well, let me read this little passage here and from the book. Oh, if wow. that's all right. Okay, sure. Um, so this is chapter on correcting structural integrity uh, from concussion rescue. Uh, book just came out this week. Congratulations. Thank you. That's awesome. Another technique worth considering is neurocranial restructuring, which also has a goal of realigning the bones of the skull to free up tensions. This technique involves insertion of tiny balloons into the nasal passages and then inflating them to adjust the cranial bones. Neurocranial restructuring is especially helpful if there is frontal damage either from blows to the face or forehead as well as chronic sinus problems. Correct. <laughs> uh, I first learned about this method while in school when a fellow classmate of mine, Hilary Lampers, who had been studying with the developer of this method, Dr. Dean Howell, gave a demonstration to the class. Guess wow. who volunteered to be a guinea pig? You did. I forgot about that <laughs> so long ago. I was like, you want to put what? Where? Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> you, I, if, I, if I think back, I go back into my... Uh, 
memory vault here. <laughs> it's like, you were like, me? Because yeah, most people were like, huh? <laughs> You're going to do what to me? And you were like, me. Because you were playing soccer. Mm -hmm. You were a soccer yeah, player. Yeah, I got hit in the face quite a frequently yes, with the ball. I remember that now. Yeah. When tiny balloons were inserted into my nose and inflated, I was surprised to hear a crack, <laughs> which realigned my sphenoid bone. But it actually wasn't painful at all. And I've witnessed many patients with chronic sinus problems benefit from this method when receiving therapy from Dr. Lampers, as well as other uh, patients I've sent to you with brain injury and others trained in this method. Unfortunately, not many are trained to do this technique, but it is my hope that it will become more widely available. Yeah, that's always been my hope, too. It's been a hard sell, you know. Mm -hmm. um, before we get on, I appreciate that. Yeah. That's so nice to well, put me in your book. You and your I, I appreciate it. I think being in it for so many years, you know, you get used to what you do and you don't, you don't think about it the same. And I've, mm. I, um, it is also physically exhausting. As you know, you talk about burnout, you know, mm -hmm. and oh, I yeah. dealing with really hard cases and patients that are in pain all the time or chronic problems, uh, brain yeah. traumas can mm -hmm. be quite exhausting. Yeah. And, and at the same time, so rewarding. Mm -hmm. The great thing about this treatment that I love is that there's like immediate gratification. Yeah. It's not like, okay, we're going to do this and let's wait six weeks or six months. It's like, it's immediate, right? Like you, you experience, it. so it's like an immediate, like, whoa, whoa. something is different. Mm -hmm. And um, recently I had a patient who came to see me um, and he has been a, he was a veteran mm -hmm. and he, uh, he had a head trauma 20 years ago Oh wow! in service. And he's been to the VA for the last 20 years for chronic headaches. He told me he's had over 19 or 20 MRIs. Wow. He's had said, he said he's probably seen over 20 doctors at the VA. They've run every single test on him. His hormones were low after that. His testosterone was mm, low. So he, go. Got, he, he, he was doing hormone therapy, which helped a little bit, but he continued out the headaches mm -hmm. and nothing. He, he said, you know, for 20 years, I've been trying to get somebody to help me. And, uh, one of our, one of our family members told him, knows of him cause he's in the industry and said, you should go see Hillary. She does this crazy thing where she'll <laughs> blow your face up. And he was like, whatever, I'll do whatever. And then he said, literally like the next month I went to the VA and there was a new doctor because that's how the VA works. You always mm. get a new doctor. Mm. And this guy was young and he was new and he was just out of school. And he said to me, have you heard about this treatment where they put this balloon in and they adjust really? your head? And he said, this is at the VA. And I was like, really? Oh. And he said, yeah. And the guy said, he says, it's on the fringe uh -huh. and we don't do it here. <laughs> but if you can find somebody to do it, I hear it works amazing. And wow. he said it was like, it was like, you know, angels because here he just heard, never heard in 20 years, never heard about mm. it. And then this VA doctor who would never mm, tell less. him something like that. Yeah. So he came and saw me. And after the first night, he's like, I don't have a headache. Wow. And then every day he came in to see me, he's like. I just keep waiting for something to happen. He's like, I don't have a headache. I don't have a headache. And he's like, I can turn my Amazing. head all the way. So that it's so, really cool rewarding. Story. And when you think of like these football players and you think of how many millions of people are suffering, mm -hmm. you know, like military and, oh my gosh. and sports and, and yeah. um, three million Americans go to the ER each year. The number has doubled from 2006 to 2014. 
uh, visiting the ER for brain injury, but those are the, just the people who went to the ER. You know, how many people is three, at least three times that who don't oh, yeah. go to the ER and with, um, concussive blasts, you know, it's a signature wound of war is brain injury for our veterans. Mm. Um, and 25 to 50% of people, you mentioned hormones, 25 to 50% of people with a history of brain injury have damage to the pituitary gland, which is a master hormone gland in the yeah. middle of the brain. And, uh, that can't be corrected with supplements alone. It really needs hormonal replacement. Yeah. And it's a, another piece of the puzzle. You know, these football players we've been talking about, uh, there was a study done by Dr. Kevin Yuen. He's a neuroendocrinologist. Actually, he passed away, unfortunately, mm. uh, several years ago. But he did some really good work that kind of parallel Amon's work um, that found 20 to 30% of um, these retired NFL football players have testosterone and growth hormone deficiencies. Mm -hmm. These hulking, huge guys have mm -hmm. testosterone deficiency and growth hormone deficiency. And so it's, you know, when you treat those, that's really can help many of the symptoms. Many of the symptoms of concussions are due to low testosterone, low growth hormone, low thyroid, low cortisol. And um, if you can treat that, that's like the growth factors. Right. So on one half of the coin, we have the nutrients. The other half of the coin, we have the growth factors. And then we have the structural. So many people have sleep problems. Mm. You know, and, and sugar just kills testosterone. It does. And for men. And women, they tend to have more insulin, like the PCOS thing and insulin resistance and higher testosterone too. Yeah. So that's a key piece is diet. Diet. You have to change your diet. Yeah. There's no way to supplement around that. What about diet and brain trauma? Like yeah. head trauma. Great. Um you know, our, our brain uses, it's so hungry. It uses 20 to 30% of the calories in your diet. Wow. Only, you know, so think about your plate. It's like eating a quarter of your plate just right to your brain. Mm. And your brain's only 2% of your body weight. It's like hugely hungry. And after a brain injury, there's this met, glu, uh, metabolic deficit. Glucose levels actually drop within several minutes and then they stay depressed for weeks. And so this very hungry organ now isn't getting enough fuel. Mm -hmm. So what's the answer? Well, they did this study where they had people, they just, they were in a coma and they gave them IV glucose to try and help them. And it suppressed what little amount of ketones, beta-hydroxybutyrate, they had in their blood. So the brain can use, it's kind of like hybrid. It's a Prius. You know, <laughs> you can use glucose for fuel or fats for fuel. So the whole ketogenic diet, very popular right now. Yeah. Like if you can be on a ketogenic diet, which is a low carb diet um, and higher okay. fat diet, you're producing ketones f for fuel. And these ketones are very energizing and they don't take as many steps to get into the brain as glucose. So this glucose transporters are damaged, ketones come in, the brain is refueled. Um, and so it's worth trying. It's not for everyone, but it's worth trying. It's been studied for a number of different neurological conditions ketogenic diet has, including Parkinson's, migraine headaches, uh, ALS even. And there's a few studies that they're doing. They're ac actually working on one right now for ketogenic diet um, for brain injury. Mm. that should be coming out this year. I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens there. Um, and, you know, I had a an airline pilot who 
you know, he got punched out when he was in Australia at a bar. and uh, That's not good for a pilot <laughs> no. to get a concussion. No, he couldn't fly it's back. bad. Yeah. They lose their jobs. Like, they they can't get in a plane. You got it. I mean, he almost, he, he was out of work for two years. He yeah. almost couldn't get his job back. He uh, was get he was really doing bad. Um, and he, but he was getting tired of taking supplements and doing stuff. And yeah. he was just exhausted. He wasn't sleeping. And he said, Doc, I, tell me one, I can only do one supplement. Was it, if I can only do one supplement, what would it be? And I said, let's, Table the supplements for now. Let's just focus on the ketogenic diet. You're going to do that. Just do that. And after, once he figured out how to do it, it takes a few weeks to get the hang of it. Yeah. After three weeks or so, all of a sudden his energy improved, his sleep improved, his pain went down, and it, he started feeling better. And then he could do the other parts of the protocol. Hmm. It kind of unraveled things for him. And actually he is, uh, a couple months ago, he told me he's starting to go, he's going to go back to work. That's great. Side effects are usually uh, being healthier, losing weight if you need to yeah. lose weight. Or yeah, I, I did the ketogenic diet for almost two years. Yeah, and I thought, oh, I don't really. Why am I doing this? Uh, because it was so hard. Yeah, I was like, I'm telling patients to do it all the time. I was like, I should try this. So um, it took took me weeks to figure out what the heck to eat. I was so hungry and starving, but when I did, I found that my blood sugar was much more stable. And the reason I did do the ketogenic diet was because I had my own brain scanned and oh, it didn't look so good. I was didn't. like, crap, uh, don't show Dr. Amen my scans. These <laughs> look terrible. Um, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I tried everything, took supplements, rescanned, no better. Um, did a sleep study, maybe it was that, no better. Um, checked my hormones, they were fine. And I thought, okay. But I was having these low blood sugar spells. I tend towards hypoglycemia. So do I. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I thought, no, but I can't do ketogenic diet. Actually, that's perfect because you have a very stable fuel source. You don't have to eat quite as often. And I was oh, missing meals, you know. Yeah. So when I had that fat for fuel, it, it was just stabilizing my fuel source for my brain that was so hungry. I rescanned so much better and I felt so much better. But I don't think I needed to do it for two years. That's what I learned. I need. I thought, okay, I was very stubborn. I'm like, this is the diet for me. I'm just going to stay on it forever. Yeah. No, it's more like three, four months, go off, do it again for three, four months, take a break. So you feel that you can cycle it and get I, benefit for me, from it. Better. Well, I think you and I have very similar body types. Mm -hmm. We're thin. We're sort of type A, high strung. Yeah. We probably run <laughs> high on metabolism. adrenaline, <laughs> high metabolism. <laughs> And, yeah. you know, Ryan's always like, you just need to eat more food. Like, just eat more food. Because sometimes, you know, you get here in your office, you're working, you have patients oh. all day. I mean, I won't eat. Mm -hmm. And then I'll eat, you know, maybe I'll eat one or two meals a day. That's not enough for me. No. I start losing my lean body mass and mm -hmm. then I don't feel good. And yeah. it doesn't help my brain. And I right. I can definitely tell. So mm. I, but I, I did keto for like two months. Mm-hmm. It took me a little bit, but once I figured it out, I did, I will say that I noticed, I did feel clearer in my mm -hmm. head, uh, but I did struggle with the hypoglycemia. So. That was something where I, I, I just probably needed to eat more. More fats. More something. fats. That I was my thing too. I, I, when I was tired, I wasn't eating enough fats, but then I couldn't digest them well. And I was yeah. like, oh, so I started taking ox bile. That was what a yep. tip that I learned. 
eating more fats and taking ox bile, which yeah. sounds crazy for people that are listening. Uh, these capsules of ox bile, because your bile is what breaks down fats in your body, like your gallbladder produces. Yeah. You know? And so many people have gallbladder problems. Mm, so, true. but I, I take ox bile too. Oh. I, I found great benefit with that, like digestive enzymes, hydrochloric mm-hmm. acid, all that kind of stuff. But the ox bile is great. Um, very important. Very important. Especially the gut, right? The gut's yes. the foundation of everything. So your brain doesn't work well <laughs> if your gut's a mess. And we've talked about that a ton. Mm-hmm. It's super important. Indeed. Okay. So I put out on Instagram that I was going to be talking to you. Oh. So cool. I got some questions if you want to answer some questions. There's Fire just away. a few of them. Uh, Can I tell you a story? Please tell me a story <laughs> while I'm looking. There they are. Okay. Well, I, I wrote this book for two groups of people. You okay. know, I was, one is people who haven't recovered from concussions and they need help because they've sort of exhausted their resources or not mm-hmm. sure what else to do. Some people can't come see us at Amen Clinics or just see at doctors anymore. Yeah. And they need help. There's millions of people suffering. Then there's another group of people who have had, have some sort of brain issue, whether it be anxiety, depression, anger, memory problems that are cropping up. And as they think back, oh man, I have had a number of concussions. These symptoms may be due to a concussion. As we started our conversation, you need to think back and ask, okay, have I had a number of head injuries? For example, there was a patient we'll call Jeremy, and he came to see me when he was 21 years old. And he had been suicidally depressed since he was age 14. We see a lot of patients with treatment-resistant depression. Mm -hmm. And when we scanned his brain, oh, and he was smoking pot every day to try and help. He had tried every kind of medication out under the sun. Uh, He had tried some really great therapists, uh, CBT, EMDR, some really good therapy, not getting better. Came in to see me. We scanned his brain. It was clear he had had a brain injury. He had damage to the left frontal lobe and the left temporal lobe. These are important brain structures. And, but in his history, there was no listing of past head injuries. So I asked him, Jeremy, have you ever fallen out of a tree? Have you ever dove into a shallow pool? Have you ever been in a car accident? He said, no, no, no. I said, have you ever played contact sports? And he said... Well, his mom was there with him and she said, oh, remember you started playing football when you were about 13 years old and you were matched up against the coach's son, this six foot tall kid, and you were this scrawny little kid getting just hit in the head and pounded and he was having headaches afterwards, after practices, and he was diagnosed with ADD at this time. And uh, so we put him on a program to heal his brain And after a couple of months, his depression and his suicidal thoughts stopped. And now, and he stopped smoking pot. You got to stop smoking pot. And um, he's this jazz drummer. And now two years later, he's about to, this spring, he's going to graduate from the Berkeley School of Music as in jazz drumming. Wow. So it's never too late to heal your brain from brain injury. And keep in mind, you know, probably the... You know, my my past 12 years working in mental health, I'd say that mild traumatic brain injuries are a major cause of mental illness and nobody knows about it. Yeah, well, you know, when you take histories and almost everybody's had one. 
mm-hmm. and you see so much mental stuff, anxiety and depression, like yeah. 80% of your population, at least one form or another. That's You've right. You've got to think about it. Think about it. Think about your loved ones, your family members. Yeah. I mean, I will tell you, I, I think it's a blessing and a curse when you're like we are and you have all this information because mm. my poor children will never <laughs> be able to do anything they want. You know, my older daughter, she's very talented and luckily she doesn't have any interest in team sports. Uh, she wants to be a cheerleader, though. You know, oh, they do. And sometimes, sometimes I'm like, ah, ah. but I also I also know. I guess saying this and like mm-hmm. you can't control, maybe you can until they're a certain age, but mm-hmm. you only have a short time yeah. where you can model your children to understand the reasoning. Yeah. Like you can do, I, I love that idea of, um, it's like strapping a seatbelt on, you know, yeah. you're not going to prevent car accidents necessarily, but at least you'll pr- be protected somewhat. Like studies show that if, um, these are rat studies, but vitamin D levels, if there's low, and deficient vitamin D levels at the time of head injury, there's more concussive symptoms wow. than if there isn't. So and you can how take many vitamin people D. are vitamin D deficient? <laughs> Every, everyone everybody, we everybody, <laughs> everybody. I got yeah. I got a gal the other day. She had like 69, and I was like, oh. "What are you doing? Yeah. Give me your secret, right?" <laughs> like, yeah. So everybody, so everybody needs to be looking at these things. Yes. Okay. So speaking of that, I got a question about. Um, this woman is asking about has have we have you heard of the trauma void helmet? So helmets, do helmets prevent brain injury? That, that I can answer. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. They can protect your skull. And that's one of the myths that oh I was wearing a helmet so I was fine. Um, well, football, we've been talking about that. And they have nice helmets, you know, and no helmet can you know I was on a podcast talking about helmets with brain injury folks and it's just um there's a lot of sales and marketing and the idea that if it's the very best helmet you can protect your head and and there probably is a little more protection but it's you know as you mentioned earlier there's a um study done showing that just playing football and hitting your head and sub-concussive hits to the head cause damage to the brain our brains are not designed to be Mm -hmm. hit and um so. so it says here on Google, the trauma void helmet mm-hmm. is the wave of the future and the next step in brain protection technology for the equine mm. industry. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, and this, this multi-directional impact protection system has been used in bike, mo- motorcycle, and snow helmets for years. Cool. So it's basically just a technology. Yeah, advanced. And the way it fits, it's more advanced, but... Mm-hmm. Good. I mean, I would be wearing I, that if I was a horse rider. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that that's important. And, and mm-hmm. when it comes to helmets, I mean, personally, like I think I mentioned at the beginning mm-hmm. of the podcast, I had a mountain bike, pretty yeah. bad mountain bike wreck in 2004. Wow. And I landed on the top of the left side of my head. Yikes. And it completely ripped the the oh whole side gosh. plastic off and i mean it had like dents in the top you broke the helmet I, you hit so hard i did yeah Whoa. and um i had a pretty bad concussion and i had i ruptured two discs in my neck and i ripped the ligaments in my left shoulder and i had road rash and all that and i mean there's no doubt had i not had that helmet on it would have been pretty bad mm-hmm. and um but the helmet 
protected me from obviously being a vegetable or maybe dying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But I still sustained yeah. a head Good trauma. Point. Good point. And exactly. I suffered, you know, I would say I've suffered with that quite a bit on and off, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done a lot of the treatments yeah. and I've done a lot of structural stuff and I've done that, hmm. but we got to scan your brain, Hillary. I want my, <laughs> I back. so want my brain scanned. I'm going to come back. I mm-hmm. wanted to do it years ago and I don't know why I ever did. I think part of it was maybe even a little bit of fear, um, mm-hmm. related to the fact that I had had this head trauma and, mm. um, I had had significant post-concussive symptoms for quite Have a long ever time. Done hyperbaric oxygen. I haven't. What would be cool is to do, see where you're at. Yeah. Do the scan, then do hyperbaric for yeah. 40, 80 sessions, and then rescan if you're feeling better. Do you have hyperbaric here? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And if I had one magic bullet, uh, only one thing I could do for brain injury, it would be hyperbaric oxygen. If I could just do that, because it increases healing and boosts blood flow. Um, so hyperbaric oxygen is like a chamber. Like divers go into, it's pressurized. Yeah. Um, if they go up too fast, they get the bends. Um, it can be used for strokes and other neurological conditions. It pushes oxygen to the deeper structures of the brain and the body. And that turns on genes and healing mechanisms. And just that oxygen helps the cells to heal. So I actually like to layer it in later um, mm. after you've done the other things. So this would yeah. be perfect to see if you can get sort of a boost. Uh, and I found like I go in the chamber and I'll feel actually tired that day. Mm-hmm. I probably do need to rest a little anyway. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I'm more energized and a little bit more clear. Yeah. I noticed since my head trauma, gosh, 15 years ago, I'm definitely more sensitive to things like my mm-hmm. tolerance of how much I can take has decreased. Even mm-hmm. things like, you know, drinking alcohol. I noticed after that, like I pretty much couldn't drink alcohol anymore because right. it wasn't like alcohol it didn't, it just made me feel so bad. I couldn't like focus. I couldn't do anything. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. um, any treatment I would do, like it's I would common. go get a treatment and it would be like, I only need a little bit of it. And then huh. I'd just be like wiped out. Of course I'm better now, but I still feel that I have some of that sensitivity to it. Mm. And I will say that just talking to people and having worked for many years and having had a concussion myself that I feel was pretty severe. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. we don't, if you live with somebody who's had a concussion and they suffer from the ramifications of that, mm-hmm. uh, it can be really difficult because I will say that ever since my concussion, it, um, even knowing what I know and having done everything I've done and, and, uh, it's, uh, it's, I would say that concussion changed me. Mm-hmm. It changed yeah. the way that I, I felt like prior to that concussion, I was a much happier person mm, mm-hmm. and whether it was just the area of the brain that got damaged right. or whatnot, so where curious. I hit, maybe it was the chronic pain that I dealt with for years. Like I had chronic vertigo for years, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe whatever the thing was. And, and Ryan would probably attest to this too, is, is I used to be much more easygoing and fun. And like, I mm. love to plan parties. I was always like the, let's have a Christmas party. <laughs> let's have a new year's party. Mm-hmm. I just love to do that. I was very social and I'm still very social and extroverted. Mm-hmm. But after that, if you've ever had a brain trauma, it's like just even trying to have a conversation with somebody and focus can be really difficult. Mm -hmm. And it took me years to just feel like I could could focus on things. Mm -hmm. And so it changed my personality. 
yeah. kind of changed the way that I got excited about stuff or it just, hmm. it was like exhausting. Mm-hmm. Planning a party was like, ugh. And I still am sort of like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like it changed me. Yeah. And I've worked changed. really hard to, you know, be the vibrant person that I am. But yeah, it's definitely vibrant. Uh, brain traumas change people. The brain traumas do change people. And yeah. that's what's so, it's like our brain is who we are. Yeah. And so that's so precious. Our yeah. brains are so precious. So our children's brains, our family's brains, our loved one's brains, we don't want to put them at risk. And if they are at risk, we need to help them to heal. So yes. goodness gracious. Agree. Okay. So a few more questions. Okay. And we've probably mentioned some of these. We've already talked a little bit. Okay. Um, is addiction and mental illness more common after having a traumatic brain injury? Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. Not a hundred percent of people who have a brain injury <laughs> oh, <no>. have addiction, <laughs> but my goodness, there was a, a young woman that I saw who was like a type A, straight A student. Um, she was driving on an icy road as a passenger and got flung out of the vehicle and hit her head, um, flown to Harborview, had to relearn to walk and talk. And you'd look at her, she's perfectly fine, but had difficulty in school, but she started partying, you know? So a year later, they said she had recovered as much as she, she was going to. But her, And we scanned her brain, the frontal lobe wasn't working. The frontal lobe is a part for impulse control. Huh. So she's like, yeah, I'll take a drink. I'll, I'll smoke pot, I'll do whatever. Um, and so she was much more impulsive and had difficulty concentrating and reading. And it's sort of like the conventional approach was that that's all she, they were going to do is just some rehabilitation, physical therapy, occupational therapy, which was needed, but we need a second level of healing. Yeah. Yeah. It would seem to me like there would be much more higher prevalence in people that have had head traumas, which makes sense. You know, veterans and all these Mm -hmm. people that come back with PTSD and brain traumas and then they end up, you know, drug addicts and alcoholics Mm or addicted to something that, that seems to me like would make total sense. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see here. Um, Let's see. My husband has been suffering with this for about 30 years now. Hmm. Um, Her question, I think she's asking, like, he doesn't get a lot of REM sleep, Mm -hmm. and can this lead to a higher chance of dementia? Yeah, so a couple thoughts in there. Um, Dementia, you know, brain injuries do put you at higher risk of dementia unfortunately, but not just that. I mean, other things too, over, you know, high blood sugar, increased risk of dementia, uh, not getting enough sleep and REM sleep. Yes, that would put you at high risk for dementia because as Hillary was talking about earlier, the lymphatics in the brain, you're not detoxifying, you're not getting into deep stages of sleep and deep. That's where you consolidate memories in deep stages of sleep. You consolidate from short to long-term memory and, that's the fastest way to look, make someone look like they have dementia is just sleep deprive them for a few days. Yeah. <laughs> I can attest have to that. Have some babies. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Dementia's oh, on its way. <laughs> <laughs> but if you treat the sleep problems, the memory should improve. And um, How do you improve REM sleep? Well, you know... Because I, yeah. <laughs> I have this fancy sleep tracker, right? Yeah. In our oh, ring. Yeah, those are cool. And I don't have them. It tells me how much REM I get. I don't mm-hmm. get a lot of REM. Don't you? Okay. I struggle with REM. Like I can get deep More sleep REM. and I get lots of light sleep. And I keep hmm. thinking maybe it's a mommy thing. 
Couldn't be. Like, I don't really go totally deep because I'm always on guard mm. listening for something, mm-hmm. but I, REM is my struggle. Well, I wonder. So after brain injuries, um, and I was asked this at a brain injury conference, like, uh, why do people with brain injuries often have sleep problems? And um, I didn't know exact mechanism why so i had to go look it up and uh first of all less melatonin okay kind of makes sense uh less melatonin production which is making you sleepy when it's dark produced by the brain you can take as a supplement and then there's something called hypocretin which is produced and it makes you feel more awake and alert and so it's it's not produced as much and that makes people kind of sluggish during the day and then you don't Mm -hmm. feel sleepy at night Um, and then just the neurons have been kind of damaged the brain cells have been damaged and so they don't fully turn off they don't fully turn on during the day either so you can't focus Um, it's kind of like the fluorescent lights flickering and making you kind of feel weird because you can't really see but you can kind of see like that's what the neurons are doing they're not all the way on not all, all the way off and so as the brain heals on a healing program sleep should get better but you might need to do some specific things to help with healing the sleep aspect like because you have to you know it's hard to heal from a brain injury if you're having problems sleeping yet People with brain injuries almost yeah. always have sleep yeah. problems. Yeah, vicious circle. It's a vicious circle. It's yeah. really a curse. Um, 30 to 70% of people with history of brain injury have sleep problems. So it's mm. more like 70%. Yeah. I find for me, like sleep, we did a podcast with Dr. Newstad on oh, sleep. Brilliant guy. Yeah. Um, and so you guys can go listen to that if you want to hear some sleep stuff. Yeah. But I found with me, like, I got to get away from my electronics. Yeah, for sure. I get too overstimulated and I need like, I've been doing the red light, the juve light at night Hmm. and I need like it quiet. Like I need the lights in the house to start being like dimmed down and quiet the TV off. I need the kids in their own bed. Mm -hmm. Like I don't do good with kids in my bed anymore. Like I can't sleep. No, I just can't sleep. I'm like awake. Um, and distractions bug me but there has to be this Hmm. like semblance and then i live with a guy who's like wants he's a night owl he (laughs) wants the tv on Hmm. he likes bright light he's not phased no he wakes up in the morning (laughs) he's like turns the light on like you know he's like get up and i'm like don't do that to me Uh, but he Mm -hmm. falls asleep like that Right. Like he just, he's so like his sleep is not an issue he's and he's yeah. very solid that way. Mm. So I That's struggle cool. because, nice. Lucky be, and he's kind of a job. night owl, right? So mm-hmm. I need to start coming down and I need to prepare. Yeah. And he's like, he could just be like, okay, I'm going to go to sleep and lay down and go to sleep. <laughs> so like he can have the TV on and he can have all that on and go right to sleep. Mm. And that's what I struggle with. It's almost like sometimes I feel like I, I need see. my own separate house. Yeah. Just I need my sleeping she cave that I can go to. <laughs> no children are allowed. No dogs yeah. are allowed. No husband allowed. It's a great idea. Like, and yeah. that's where I see a lot of people, especially mm-hmm. as they get older, having sleep problems mm-hmm. because they're dealing with their husband snoring. Mm-hmm. They're dealing with their right. own like... Their yeah. their wife wants the TV on all night long, mm-hmm. and they have to sleep with that. Talk so about sleep hygiene. You it's know, huge. It's, like, it's, it's huge. It's but key. I find for myself, and that helps my brain. Mm-hmm. So that's why I got this actually, because oh. I was like, I want to track this. Yeah. Can you REM. can do you know anything about heart rate variability? Yeah. Can you Love it. explain that a little bit? So, in a nutshell, heart rate variability is 
the the how you, in between heartbeats it's either a little bit closer together or farther apart and variable and when there's a lot of studies on this it's amazing that if you if your heart rate is more steady and less variable it's associated with more disease and death if it's more variable, like when you're stressed, really? it's more variable. I mean, okay. more stable. You actually want some variableness. Okay. <laughs> if that's a word. I might be doing good on that one. Good. Yeah. Up and down. So more high, higher heart rate variability so that, that there's more interchange between heartbeats is actually associated with less stress. And so there's actually different devices like um, heart math is a company that uh, came out with the bio it's a biofeedback device so you measure your heart rate variability you do a relaxation exercise and you reduce stress uh, and you can actually see it in real time which is pretty cool because sometimes it's hard to wrap your mind around okay am i stressed or not i don't feel stressed you put the thing on and it tells you that you are stressed and then you right. can do a breathing exercise and lower your stress and then then you can tune into that and like oh yeah i guess i was and i feel better now um, well, look at this. I'm going to show you my ohm okay. ring. So this was my, this was today. Mm -hmm. I, I think hmm. this was today or last night. Okay. So that was my heart rate variability last night. Oh, that seems good. Very variable. Um, very variable. And that was my resting heart rate. Oh, what, what does that say? 50? Holy uh, smokes. Resting heart rate. 48 was my lowest. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Rest, that is low. 14 minutes of rest. Oh, no. <laughs> this is tonight. What? I don't know what that is. See, I still don't even know wow. how to do this. But it's looking at me. It's like, okay, you're good. Your body temperature is off. I'll say this was a night hmm. with no children in the bed. I stayed at my girlfriend's house. Oh. I had my own bed. I fell asleep. <laughs> I did not wake up till my alarm went off. Okay. Which does not happen in my wow. life. Wow. Good for so you. So this was yesterday. But mm -hmm. this was my sleep. So look at my sleep. So I Red. slept seven hours. Hmm. I had an 894% efficiency, but look at my REM sleep. Not good. Not good. And and my deep Two sleep. Hours. Look at how much wow. deep sleep. You're really deep. Yeah. Restoring. See, look at how bad that is. Goodness gracious. So this is where I'm like, huh. and there's my rest of my heart rate with it. Mm-hmm. So this is the question, right? Like, okay, well, I'm getting sleep mm -hmm. and I'm getting deep sleep. I mean, I get a lot of light sleep, mm -hmm. yeah. but how do More I REM. improve the REM? Have, what have you, do you take anything? Well, I find that I do take melatonin. I do dream. Okay. Uh, melatonin makes me dizzy. Oh. Um, Not all the time, mm -hmm. but sometimes. Okay. Uh, so I don't like to take it all the time because it, because yeah. you know, I oh, had vertigo no for years and dude, if you've had vertigo, you don't want anything to no. do with dizziness. That's horrible. So uh, do you take magnesium? Probably not enough. You know, that's one of my favorites. Is it? Uh, even compared to meds sometimes for people with really problematic sleep, I'll give them magnesium glycinate upwards of okay. a, th like a thousand, a thousand sometimes. Well, got to work up to it. You yeah. may not need a thousand because you're more sensitive. You might only need 400, 600, yeah. maybe 800 and just see. It's really effective. Okay. And just, I'd be curious to know. Let me know. Yeah. If this is what REM I'm working improves. on. This is why I got this. Cause um, That's cool. if REM sleep 
means I'm going to have more dementia. <laughs> I'm working on it, man. Well, Just like my uh, savings account. I'm trying to work on it before I'm old, yeah. you know. I want to be able to have fun Bank at it. some point. And rim. so here I'm like, now, but yeah, really interesting. It's it's fascinating. That's cool that you're tracking that. I and wonder... look, it tracks me. See this? Oh, This was the night before I left. Oh, kind of. And my nice. daughter woke up in the middle of the night screaming, crying. So I had to oh. get up and see like, but my... Sleep was the same, but do you see how I had this like difference? I, mm. I don't even still know how to read this thing. It's mm -hmm. really, let's see, this has data. been my thing over the last week. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah, this is a great, it's a great tool. I think if you have the time to learn about it, I'm still mm -hmm. learning about it. Love to. But, um, yeah, I was wondering if the REM is, I'm just thinking out loud, like, you know, with dreaming, how much is how much you dream correlated with how much REM? Like if you kept, if you, you know, it's like you look back and you said lots of REM. Did you have lots of dreams too? Because mm -hmm. I've heard that vitamin B6, and I've seen this, can really help with dreams, more dreams. Improving. Improving uh, dreams. Yeah. So be curious to do a trial. And since you have the, the technology. Well, I have a ton of methylation defects too. Oh. I have a number Maybe of them. more complicated. So it's probably some methylation stuff too. Mm -hmm. I mean, probably with the brain, which is why it was hard for my, me to probably recover from some of that is methylation. Probably. Anyways. Oh my gosh. We, <laughs> we could go down a rabbit hole. Okay. I got one more. Um, actually, while we were sitting here, somebody, um, so somebody that we're friends with, he just sent me a text and he said, so I saw your Instagram story about your head trauma podcast coming up and it made me think of the conversation we had last year. So we talked at the Hunt Expo last year. Hmm. Um, so there's a guy in the industry, his name was Jason Harrison. I don't know if you heard about Jason mm -mm. Harrison, but he was a... Um, he was a college and I believe he was a pro football player as well uh -huh. for a short period of time. He started what's called QU, which is a clothing company mm. in the hunting industry. He just sent me an article on him uh, and CTE and mm -hmm. he um, he killed himself. Oh, and so sad. he there had been a bunch of rumors and it's oh, kind of come out that he had CTE mm -hmm. and he had been suffering with it for a long time. Wow. Just a little bit about CTE and mm -hmm. maybe yeah. do we see certain people more disposed to getting it? Are mm -hmm. there certain things to watch out for if your kid does play football to help them? Yeah. And like, yeah. Like who's at risk? Yeah. That's a great question. Um, yeah. CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Again, the movie Concussion was really good at explaining that. Uh, and it's it's not, it, it's a, the idea that there is a delayed onset of symptoms after hits to the head. It's, it's a cumulative process and there's a misfolding of proteins that happens in the brain. And it starts many, many years before symptoms occur, which is a, the hard thing because once symptoms start, it's like you really don't have much time. But it's again, it's not too late. And um, so it's, again, kind of setting up a chronic inflammatory state many years before that continues to smolder in the brain for, for years and years. And so th with that inflammation, people that are more susceptible to inflammation. So if you have the genetic marker APOE4 allele, mm -hmm. you're going to have more inflammation in the body. It's, it's the Alzheimer's gene. But that, that's not really explaining it. The Alzheimer's gene, APOE4, really means more inflammation. And that's what really causes different types of brain problems is the inflammation. So if you have the APOE4, you really should think twice about playing football or other contact sports. or And also knowing that, hey, 
it's more important for me to use a lower carb diet or to you you know administer a lower carb diet to take my vitamin D to do all of these things mm-hmm. um, I'd say th- that would be the easiest most simple straightforward thing to do and um, you know a lot of these football players we did in our study at Amen clinics um, were headed towards CTE you know that's it's a diagnosis made on autopsy so we're not diagnosing them with CTE but we can clearly see from their brains yeah. before and after that you know it looks if you look at their scans, it looks like a dog's been chewing on the front of this guy's frontal lobe. Uh, but then you look at after 18 months of treatment, significantly better as far as blood flow and uh, supported with cognitive testing. So it's pretty sad when someone dies or takes their life because there's things that can be done. Um, oftentimes, there's a part of the brain called the temporal lobes, which are damaged and um, can contribute to that depression and anger in particular. Yeah. So it's it's helpful to understand what's going on under the hood. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I think that, I mean, I probably have a couple more, but man, mm-hmm. we've been going on for a while here. <laughs> um, so tell people how they can get in touch with you mm-hmm. or... And, and how to get your book. Yeah. And, yeah. The book Concussion Rescue is out now, uh, available wherever books are sold. It was sold. on Amazon when I looked last <laughs> night. And there's an audio yeah. book, right? There's an audio book. That's the best. Yeah, I think so too. I love listening to books. Yeah. And the, the reader's actually pretty good. I was worried who was going to read it. And it's <laughs> Does good. Does he have like a British yeah. accent or something? <laughs> that would, you have to pay extra for that. Do you? <laughs> no. Probably. Us Americans are so into British or <laughs> yeah. Australian accents or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, we have a program. So we filmed a video series that's coming out next week on... Uh, concussion rescue. So some people like to watch. You can download that. Cool. And that'll be on Amen University. I'm at Amen Clinics Northwest in Seattle. You can just Google Amen Clinics Northwest and I'm there. Uh, we have a clinic and I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you doing this for us. I think that this has been such a valuable podcast for me, for sure. Now I'm like, oh man, I need to get my brain scanned. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> let's biohack a little bit more. Uh, but I, I would say too, and just to go back to the scans themselves, and I know you guys have a system, you know, if a patient is going to come in, there's mm-hmm. a, it's it's kind of like a four or five day system mm-hmm. and they you have a series of scans that you do and then you look yeah. and then you create treatment protocol and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does seem quite expensive when people first yeah. hear about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it is, but, yeah, but it's... But the value, I, I think if you're struggling with brain trauma uh, and, and just anything related to feeling like your brain is just not working anymore... Mm-hmm. It's so valuable, you know, the things people spend money on. And I always try to remind people is that, you know, you don't have any problem dropping $3,000 on, (laughs) you know, a down payment on a nice car or Mm -hmm. I don't know, people buy a couch for their house and and buy a fancy, you know, I don't know. Some people spend that on like a dress or something, Mm -hmm. right? a vacation, Mm-hmm. And not mm-hmm. that you don't need a vacation. You probably need a vacation <laughs> more than you need a new dress. But but at the same time, like it valuing yourself enough to get that help mm-hmm. and then to get people who know what they're doing mm-hmm. to help you manage this yeah. and to help you also understand that this isn't just because you're weak. 
mm-hmm. and because you can't fix yourself or because you're lazy or whatever, yeah. is that if you have had a brain trauma, a concussion, and you really feel like you haven't been the same, you really need to get the help. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love this book because you can open this book and you can start right now mm-hmm. doing things. You don't have to come pay for the scans, mm-hmm. but the pictures do speak a thousand words. Yeah. Like they really help you. And I haven't had it done. I'm totally preaching <laughs> to the choir here. Right. But mm-hmm. I think that that's valuable. So yeah, Thank if you. this is something that resonates, um, I always encourage people to, to, to don't, don't put a monetary value on your health because, yeah. Um, the goal is to keep your brain healthy as long as you can, because everything else in your body is pretty important, but your brain is the most important Mm -hmm. and none of us want to end up with Alzheimer's and none of us want to end up with dementia. None of us want to lose our mind and not be able to be there, Mm -hmm. um, when we're older. So, or even younger, Mm -hmm. if you're 40 and you're a football player, you know, so true. Well said. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. This is Thank awesome. You. It's been a pleasure to yeah. talk with you. Okay. Take care. The Stealthy Hunter website and the Hunt Harvest Health podcast is for general health information only. This podcast is not to be used as substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment of any health condition or problem. Any questions regarding your own health should be addressed to your own primary care physician or other health care provider.